Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. I'm excited you're here though. I'm excited there's energy. I am so tired, but I'm gonna feed off of that energy. I am excited for what God has for us today. My name is Rachel, as he said. I've been going to this church pretty much since the beginning. Little off and on there, you know, trying it out. Then I did that stick for six, I guess, and six turned into 16, 60, and now we're here. But I have some really cool stuff to share with you from God's word. Now I'm gonna let you in on a little preacher secret. You may know this if you did any kind of public speaking, but we usually like to start with like an intro, a hook, kind of pull you in, make you feel comfortable. You're like, okay, she's not gonna preach, you know, fire and brimstone at me. I can settle down, I can relax. I can understand her, relate. I got nothing. So, So this is it, this is our relating. But I realized, There are three stories that I'm gonna share with you today that perfectly illustrate the points that I'm gonna make. So I think we'll just let let God handle it. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah? All right, awesome. We're gonna be in the book of Matthew and we are gonna be looking at three different stories, but don't don't get overwhelmed. It's gonna be okay. They're all right next to each other. So you'll be able to find them. Once you find the first one, Matthew, it's in the back half of the Bible, you'll be set. We're gonna start with Matthew 14, verse 14. Easy enough. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Raise your hand if you've heard that story before. Okay, a lot of you. So if you grew up in church, this is a very familiar story. You already know what's going on. You've heard it a thousand times. You're kind of already checking out. Don't check out, don't leave me. We, the, the cool thing about the word of God is there's always something fresh to get from it because the Holy Spirit breathes on it. It is alive and active. And there are these three stories right together that really tell one big story. And that's kind of the way the whole Bible works. It's one big story separated into many different multiple stories. So we're gonna see a theme here and that's what I want you to hook onto. But we're gonna start with this story here in verse 14. When he, Anyone wanna guess who he is? Oh, you guys are so good, see? So Jesus is our main character. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So if you haven't heard the feeding of the 5,000, You just heard me say feeding of the 5,000. You're like, okay, who's catering? Where's this taking place? Are we in an auditorium? 5,000 is a lot of people. Uh, Is it free or are we buying? Uh, That's always my question when the taco truck shows up. I'm like, is this on the house or no? (laughs) We're, We're supporting, generosity is our privilege and tacos are our reward. So what are, what are these people gonna be eating? The disciples are like, you know, I'm a tap out, I'm out. There's 5,000 people, this is not the ministry I signed up for. <laughs> okay, we signed up to be with Jesus and, and you know, I don't know, whatever he does, but feeding 5,000, no thanks. They can go home, get their own lunch, come back later, right? Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Again, 
Lord, do we look like a catering company? Like, where are we, where are we supposed to come up with the resources to feed 5,000 people? And I'm gonna let you in on a clue that comes later in the passage. It says 5,000 men, not including the women and children. Now, this was before Jesus died and rose again, so clearly these people weren't saved. But uh, women and children count as well. So 5,000 men, if we were to say there was one woman to every man, because we know behind every good man is a great woman. Yes, come on, guys. That should have been much louder. <laughs> if there is one woman to every man, one child to every couple, we're at 15,000 people. That's a whole lot more than 5,000. I mean, 5,000 is a lot to feed 15,000 like I'm again out just nothing got nothing this is what the disciples say to Jesus's command to give them something to eat it's verse 17 and this is going to be the key verse that we pull out of this passage but we only have five loaves and two fish here now to be honest I don't even know why they brought that up we've got a happy meal over here Lord that's about it I mean, how, that, that's nothing when there's 5,000 people. Why even mention it? But they mentioned it. And of course, they, they recognize the lack. We only have this much. Jesus says, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And what I love about the Bible and this passage specifically is if you're not careful, you pretty much miss the miracle. But where did he say it? Where did he say what happened? It's just five loaves and two fish and then all of a sudden everyone's fed. I mean, they passed it out, but what were they passing out? Five loaves and two fish? I think in order to grasp this miracle, especially if we've heard it many times before, we've got to put it in our context. So crazy Cajun Charles gets up here. He's like, yo guys, I got Chick-fil-A. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got Chick-fil-A. We're going to feast today, okay? And everybody, I mean, we're excited, right? We're excited about Chick-fil-A. Is it just me? Okay, good, good. <laughs> These people are saved. So he brings up one bag and he pulls out five sandwiches and two, two fries. The bag fries are the best, but two, two fries. And we're like, uh, Charles? that all you brought? Because I mean, there's a lot of us in this room and we're hungry. And he's like, yeah, 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 it's gonna be great, guys. It's gonna be great. He pulls up the dream team. He's like, all right, Andrew, Scott. Okay, we're gonna pass these out. So here's a bag, here's a bag. Now there's two bags, but we multiplied already. And he's passing them out and we just start grabbing sandwich after sandwich after sandwich. And every time their hand goes in the bag, they pull out another sandwich. And all of a sudden, we're all fat and happy on Chick-fil-A. And Charles is like, you know what? We shouldn't stop here. Let's go, let's go to the other churches. Let's go to Meadowbrook. 
We'll pass out sandwiches to all of their church. Try to get them to come to Revo. No, I just... <laughs> we'll pass out sandwiches. Listen, if there's Chick-fil-A, I'm going. Like, I'm, I'm there. That's my home church. We're passing out Chick-fil-A. And then it's like, you know what? We've got so much still. Let's go to the streets. Let's just do an outreach day. And we start passing them out to all the homeless people on the streets. We go to Interfaith and start passing them out. I mean, we're talking 15,000 people. That is a miracle, is it not? I mean, the real miracle is Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. So that's what we're looking at in this context. I want you to keep that in your mind as we move to the next scripture. When I was planning this sermon, just like life, God likes to take you in a lot of different directions. Just wanted to point that illustration out. So we have the feeding of the 5,000, and then there's another key passage that we're gonna get to later, but right in the middle is an amazing miracle. Walking on the water. Raise your hand if you've heard this one. All right, good job. You guys are so much better than the first service. First service raised their hands the first time and then they're just like, I'm done. (laughs) Either that or they never heard it, I don't know. So walking on the water, it's the next scripture right after what we just read, verse 22, it says immediately. So this happened chronologically. He fed the 5,000 and immediately he being, good job. He made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. If anything's happening very early in the morning, I'm gonna be terrified too. Just just saying, I mean, Jesus doesn't have to be walking on the water. If you're coming at me before coffee, it's not a good situation. (laughs) And these people are in a boat facing a storm. And Jesus spoke to them immediately saying, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. So I, like, maybe Peter was like, okay, don't be afraid, I'm in. Like, Peter is very bold. Everybody else is afraid. Peter's like, all right, bring me out there. I wanna do that miracle too. That sounds fun. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 30 is our second key verse, the key verse that we're gonna pull out of this passage, but when he saw the strength of the wind, and we'll get to the point of that one, but just keep that one in mind. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. This is two miracles back to back. And while it might be tempting to say, dude, how could you forget? Like he just did the impossible and now you're freaking out. The situation was very different. 
In the first situation, they were playing crowd control. They were working on others' needs. They were trying to provide for other people. And they were like, yeah, I can't do this. And then they watched God do it. In the second situation, they were in survival mode. They were focused on their need because they were being battered by the wind and the waves. They were sinking. It's a very different situation when it hits home and when you're facing something that you've never faced before. Now these disciples, they're trained fishermen. So it's not like they hadn't been through storms before. I mean, I'm picturing big burly men who can, you know, pull in those many, I don't know, fishing stuff, pull in all these fish. Like they know how to lift stuff, you know? They know how to do this and yet they're terrified. So that must've been one heck of a storm. And all of a sudden Jesus approaches walking on the water again, doing the impossible, but it was in such a different context in the midst of so much fear and anxiety that they freaked out. I would too. But they're seeing again, the nature of God and his faithfulness and his ability to overcome any obstacle. We're gonna move on. Oh, but first let me give you, let me give you a context so we can see it in our, our world. So imagine Charles on a boat. We're not gonna go there. That's just crazy. Come on now, guys. You got the Chick-fil-A message. I think, I think you can do this one on your own. Just have Charles walking on water here. So we're gonna skip to the middle of the next chapter. It might just be one page turn, might be two, depending on how large print your Bible is. But we're gonna skip down to verse... 32, and it doesn't say how long has passed. So the other, the other verses we had immediately, we knew it was right after the other. Now, more, much more time could have passed, but may I remind you that Jesus's ministry was only three years. So couldn't have been more than that. They had to still know these miracles that they had seen before. This one, I might venture to say, might be one not, not everyone knows. Even if you grew up in Sunday school, this one might not be very familiar. Or maybe you thought it was the same passage, feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000. Maybe you thought it existed in two different gospels and then, you know, the disciples just got a little bit off in their facts there. But it's in the same gospel, same author. Next chapter, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. Y'all, I'm hungry after two hours. <laughs> three days is a long time to not eat. He said, I don't wanna send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. You think? <laughs> Verse 33, the disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? I mean, you were there, right? When he just fed the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and, and two fish. And here they are facing a crowd of 4,000 people and saying, where could we do it? How could we do it? What are we gonna do? Freaking out. Now I don't have an excuse for this one. It's not a different context. It's the same exact situation. And they've already forgotten. This is another one of our key verses. Where could we get enough bread in this desolate place 
to feed such a crowd. Jesus doesn't say, um, are you stupid? Do you have amnesia? Did you get hit over the head? He just says, how many loaves do you have? What do you got? They said seven. Everyone say seven. Seven more than five. Thank you. <laughs> and a few small fish. I wanted to be super scholarly, you know, give you, give you some stuff in the text that you've never seen before. Go back to the ancient text. Look it up in the Greek. What's the Greek word for few? Does it really separate it? Tell you, tell you things you wouldn't have known. Turns out a few in English is a few in Greek. So there's your profound revelation for this morning. How many is a few? That's, yeah, that's pretty much what we think. It's more than two. If he wrote two the first time, he would say two again, right? It's more than two. Maybe the... The fish was like filleted or something, and it's just like a multitude. They got a few, I don't know how many, but it's more than two. After commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. Does this sound familiar? Now there were, oh, they collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten besides women and children. This is the same gospel, same author, two different events, only one chapter apart. So now we get into the title of our message. We're just getting started, guys. <laughs> the title is The Facts and the Faith. So in Matthew 14, we see five loaves and two fish, 5,000 men. In Matthew 15, we see seven loaves and a few fish and 4,000 men. They had more resources the second time and less people and the same doubt. They forgot completely what Jesus had already done, that he was more than capable to provide for their desolation, more than capable to fill their lack, more than capable to do the impossible. My initial question in this sermon was those are the facts, but where is the faith? And God showed me that wasn't the real question at stake. Because in our humanity, we so often want to pit the facts and the faith against each other. We want to put science on one end and religion on the other. Say, okay, this is what reality is and this is what the supernatural is, but there's no collision. They're not the same. And yet with God, it's all an and. I'm gonna use a nice Hobby Lobby sign that my friend gave me because she was very mad that I didn't give her credit. It's a beautiful sign. You can buy one at Hobby Lobby or steal one from a friend. The fact is that God created the facts. And in the midst of overwhelming circumstances, we don't always get the facts straight. And we often only see 
some of the facts, not all of the facts. Let's go back to our key verses. These were the facts that the disciples were focused on. But we only have five loaves and two fish here. That's verse 17, verse 30. But when he saw the strength of the wind, 1532, where could we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? They were only focused on part of the facts. They were focused on their little and missing that God is in the business of multiplying. They were focused on the strength of the storm and missing the strength of their God. They were focused on their desolation and missing the fact that the God of enough was standing in their midst. In order to keep the faith, we have to acknowledge all of the facts. So how do we do this? If we only see in part, if we admit our humanity and our, our tendency to focus on just a few of the facts that look overwhelming. It's a simple conversation with God. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that he came into humanity and died for us and rose again. And we have access to this father in heaven. We have access to the Holy Spirit that guides us and gives us all wisdom. We can come and ask and we will receive. We can come boldly before the throne room of grace in our time of need. So we just say, hey, God, these are my facts. We bring our facts to Jesus. That's our upload. And we ask for his facts. That's our download. We say, let me see what you see. We sang it this morning. God, of, give me vision to see things like you do. Simple telling and asking to get all of the facts. The fact is that the disciples had five loaves and two fish and 5,000 people to feed. And they had the God of more than enough in their midst. The fact is the report says cancer and the great healer is in the room. The fact is your son is running from the Lord and God cares about him more than you do. The fact is your marriage is falling apart and God is the God of restoration. The fact is life is hard and God is in control. This is our faith. It is a full faith. We don't ignore this side of the facts and pretend it doesn't exist. That's called denial. Go to therapy. <laughs> we recognize this and we recognize the power of God. This is the fullness of life. Well, it's almost the fullness of life. And this is the part I hate because it's not just this and. This and fills us with faith. This and gives us a vigor and an excitement to go out and preach the gospel and live life to the fullness because God's got it. There's another and. And I really didn't wanna tell you about it, but God said I needed to because I'm learning it too. Life is hard and God is in control. And even if it doesn't turn out the way I thought it should, he is still good.
hard and to swallow because we want this one. The God is in control. God is our source of faith. And this one is true. This and doesn't negate that. But we have to know that even when disappointments hit and expectations don't turn out the way that we wanted them to and life isn't sunshine and roses and a darn Disney princess movie, cause that's what I want. <laughs> it's gonna be okay because this is not eternity. And it's not all just for our good, though he works things together for our good, it's for his glory too. So all of the pain and all of the story is making a beautiful story that comes into his full gospel picture. And so we have to keep our eyes fixed on heaven, set our sights on the realities of heaven, that this is not the end and there is so much more to come. We're gonna enter into a time of prayer. And if you guys will just bow your heads and close your eyes, we're gonna come to the Father. God, we thank you that you are the God of more than enough. We thank you for helping us see the full picture in our lives. We thank you that you can give us a wisdom and a vision that we could never have without you because we can't do any of this on our own. But Lord, I wanna pray over those who have been disappointed by life's circumstances, who have trusted and had immeasurable faith before, but have put their hope in the gospel only to see things become even more chaotic in their lives, to see the enemy come at them and life come at them in a way they never expected. And they're wondering, do I still wanna do this thing called faith? Lord, I thank you for their realness. I thank you for their honesty. And if that's you this morning, I'd ask that you would just raise your hand. <sighs> thank you guys. Lord, you see your people. You are the God who sees and hears and you don't shame them. When you came to Peter, you didn't say, why do you doubt, you stupid idiot? Why do you doubt? You're so far from my grace. You're so far from the faith. No, Lord, you just said, why do you doubt? But I believe you said it with a tenderness because Peter was the only one who stepped out of the boat. And you know these children who have been disappointed by life, but you know that the reason they've been disappointed is because they've actually stepped out and they've walked in faith, trusting you. And I pray that right now you would show them that you were proud of them that you were smiling upon them, that your mercy is with them, your grace is with them, and you are working things together for their good, even if it's not what they pictured. I pray that you would rekindle their faith. You would give them that hunger and that boldness they once had, knowing that you are in control and you are more than enough. And if you've never surrendered to the gospel before, because maybe you had the wrong picture of God, or maybe it was just a scary idea to let go of control. This time is for you as well. If you would raise your hand, if you wanna surrender fully to Christ. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We come to you and we say, hey God, here's my facts. I don't got it. I don't have enough to give you right now. I've got five loaves and two fish, but I know that you can multiply this. I know that you can multiply the little in my life 
and you can bring abundance for me and for those around me that there will be so much left over. And even on the days when it's hard and even when things don't go as planned, I know that there is eternal glory set before me because I am choosing to surrender my life to you now. You're in control. We love you, Father. We ask that you would continue to strengthen our faith as we batter the wind and the waves throughout this life. And it is the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at RevoChurchFL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at RevoChurchFL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.